Adam, open the door. He opened the door to the house where all humanity lived, and he invited sin in, and then he held the door open a little bit longer, and death came in right after it. Now, again, some people will say, well, I wasn't in the garden. Why do I get blamed for his sin? Well, Paul's going to tighten the noose around your neck, so listen. Hello, and welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy. Dr. Brogy is senior pastor at Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. We're in a study of the book of Romans, and last week we camped in chapter 5, which reflects some concepts that some people find difficult to accept. That is, the sin nature that we're all born with because of the original sin passed down from Adam through the generations of man. As we pick up this week, Pastor Brogy further explains how this truth fleshes out in our lives. Sin has not always been upon the earth. Adam was created to enjoy perfect fellowship with the Lord, but through sin, evil invaded the human race. Through one man, sin entered into the world. Just as Christ is the head of his church and all believers who are in Christ are members of his body, even so the very first person created, he is the head of the human race, and in Adam is the whole human race. And so through Adam, sin enters into the world. Adam was created, Eve came out of his side, and the human race was everyone who would ever be born was in the person of Adam. Now again, back in Genesis, just listen. God said in Genesis 2, the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat from it you shall surely die. Now that was not God threatening man. That was God warning man. If I say to my grandchildren, don't go onto the street, you could get hurt. I'm not threatening them, I'm warning them because I love them. Well, here's a beautiful garden. Adam has tremendous joy and fellowship and peace with God and absolutely everything that he needs. But God also created a tree that could potentially harm man. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, sometimes people will ask you, well, if God knew that man was going to sin, because God obviously knew that because God knows everything, then why couldn't God just make a man in such a way that he wouldn't sin or couldn't sin? Have you ever been asked that? Of course you have. Some of you have asked it. Well, suppose one of my children, just say one of my children didn't love me. They all do, but suppose, say, Jameson didn't love me. And I wanted Jameson to love me, so I hypnotize him. By the way, I don't believe in hypnotism. Stop smoking. Don't write me the letters. It's an evil practice. But suppose I hypnotize Jameson. Jameson, love your daddy. Jameson, love your daddy. And I say, Jameson, do you love me? Yes, daddy, I love you. That wouldn't be love. To be real love, it has to be a choice. And so when God makes man, he makes him as a free moral agent. He gives him a free will. He makes him not only with the capacity for devotion, but he makes him with the capacity for depravity. And man without a choice would not be free at all. And so it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God very clearly warns, the day you eat from it, you'll die. Well, you know he ate. And yet Genesis 5 tells us he lived until the age of 930. 
Well, most of you know that when God speaks of death, he speaks of it in three realms. There is spiritual death, and he died that day instantly. All of a sudden, he's afraid of God. He's fearful of God. He's hiding from God. Now, for the first time, he begins to age physically, and people are born aging. Adam was created as a full adult without any aging in him. But now he began to age, and with every beat of his heart, there was a drumbeat towards the grave. And if the problem is not fixed before a man checks out physically, he experiences what the Bible calls the eternal death or the second death, forever separation from God. And so the Bible, as an expression of God's grace, says, so he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim. The singular of cherubim is cherub. Now, in Hebrew, there's a singular, there's a dual for two, and then there's one for three or more. In Hebrew, this is a dual. He's speaking of two angels, two cherubs here called cherubim. And with them is a flaming sword of fire to guard them from the tree of life because God knew that had they in their fallen state eaten from the tree of life, they would become like the angels, unredeemable. And so God in His grace exited man from the garden and protected him from the tree of life. You say, what happened to the garden? I assume it was destroyed and the great flood. And so while there was the tree of life that had the power to keep man into paradise, there was also the tree of death that had the power to drive him out from paradise. So here's Adam. He's shut up from the tree of life. Why? Why is he shut up? Because he chose to do things Satan's way instead of God's way. Satan's way is by experimentation. God's way is by revelation. Satan's way is, go ahead, try it. God knows the day you eat from it, you will know good and evil. But that was not God's plan. Did God want Adam and Eve to know good and evil? Yes, he did. But he didn't want them to know good and evil by experimentation. He wanted him to know good and evil by direct revelation. And of course, the same is true today, many times today. We convince ourselves, well, we need to find out for ourselves. I've had Christians tell me why they watch dirty shows and dirty movies and go to dirty places because they have to be able to identify with the culture. You don't have to know and experience sin to be able to relate to a pagan. God wants us to know by his revelation. God knows in the day you eat from it, he said, that when you eat from it, you will know good and evil. And so Satan always appeals to us for evil by experience. And experience is the worst teacher. People say, oh, experience is the best teacher. Not always. Many times it's the worst teacher, and I have often seen that people who are the deepest into sin know the least about it. They're blinded by its consequences. They cannot see its evil, rotten effect. Okay, that's God's death sentence. I better stop there. There's the entrance of death into the world. Secondly, there's the spread of death through the world, the spread of death through the world. Keep following here in Romans 5, verse 12. Sin entered into the world in death through sin. Now, the Greek words used in 
verse 12 are rather chilling. There's a couple of words that just jump off the page. And one is the one that is translated entered. Um, He's describing sin and death entering into the world. And it's a very picturesque word. It, It was used in the first century of someone opening a door to let someone in. And so we might paraphrase this. Adam opened the door. He opened the door to the house where all humanity lived. And he invited sin in. And then he held the door open a little bit longer. And death came in right after it. Now again, some people will say, well, I wasn't in the garden. Why do I get blamed for his sin? Well, Paul's going to tighten the noose around your neck. So listen. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death spread all men. Why? Because all sinned. Please understand, he's not saying eventually everyone sins and they're going to die. No, this is a verb tense in the Greek New Testament that refers to a past event that created a present state. He is saying that in the past, everyone sinned. All sinned. Now, people explain this in a different way. And by the way, before we're done here, those who say, well, I can't embrace that, then you're not going to be able to embrace what he says in the second half of the chapter. That just as through Adam, in his one act, I mean, what's your explanation for death? God gives an explanation by revelation. Sin brought death. That's why people die. Well, equally, he's going to argue that through the one act of Christ, He provided a way of escape from death. So if you can't embrace one, you cannot embrace the other. And that's why I said if Adam's not a real person, then Jesus' work is not real. And if you can't embrace it through Adam's sin, the whole world fell, you won't be able to embrace what he says in the second half. Our family many years ago was vacationing in Tennessee, and my kids loved to play in the falls, and so in the rapids. And so we were down there in the rapids, and... And Jeremy got a cup and he was drinking the water. And he'd seen this episode with us of Barney Fife out in the nature and, you know, camping. And he said, Dad, it's, this water is so good. Nothing like good, fresh, crisp mountain water. I said, oh, you're right, son. Later that day, uh, I was running up the mountain through a trail. And about 600 yards up from where they were playing in the rapids, There in that river were all these oily paint cans and some 55-gallon drum with something oozing out of it. It looked absolutely nasty. You see, everyone downstream of that trash pile was affected. And all of us are downstream from Adam. People say, it's just not fair. How can I be incriminated with Adam's sin? Well, listen. If you don't fully understand what I'm going to say this morning, don't resent it too bad because forget Adam's sin, you're a sinner too, right? Shake your head and say amen, I'm a a sinner. But if you can't follow the argument, just look at your own life. But God's going to give you a reason. He's going to help you to understand. Look again. Through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, there's some technical explanations that have been raised in the history of the church. St. Augustine took what was called the uh, federal view, that in Adam, or excuse me, the seminal view. The seminal view said that the whole human race was in Adam, seminally in his loins, and therefore when Adam sinned, all sinned. Uh, During the time of the Reformation, most believed that. A few held to a new view that was called the federal view, that 
not the whole human race was in Adam, but Adam was our representative, and so we basically did what Adam would do, and we voted with Adam to go ahead and sin. Uh, in the history of the church, most folks have not taken one to the other. They've taken kind of a, a both-and kind of approach, and I think that's probably what's in view. But let me just say that when Adam sinned, the whole human race was in him, and he did act as our federal representative. And I know that concept of solidarity in the Western mind is difficult to embrace. But when I've preached in other parts of the world, they have no problem with it. If you go to Asia or Africa or China or the Middle East and places like that, they understand this concept of solidarity. And even if you don't understand it, it's revealed in Scripture and we need to submit to it. But let me give you some examples to help us to understand it, letting Scripture interpret Scripture. You might want to jot down this verse, Hebrews 7, 9 and 10. Hebrews 7, 9 and 10. We're told that when Abraham gave a tithe to King Melchizedek, um, that Levi, who lives generations after Abraham, also tithed. Let me read it to you. And so to speak, through Abraham... Even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes. Why? For he, Levi, was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now, in Abraham's loins, remember, he's the progenitor. He's the father of a new people that God is going to start called the Jew. And in Abraham's loins, in essence, was the whole Jewish race. And through Abraham came Sarah, uh, he was married to Sarah, and from, from that couple came Isaac, the son of promise. And Isaac had a boy by the name of Jacob, if you remember. And Jacob, in turn, had 12 sons, one of whom was named Levi. 12 sons, forming the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. So inside Abraham was the original Levi, his great-grandson. And when you stop to think about it, when Abraham was paying tithes, Levi was paying tithes too. Though he had not yet been born seminally, he was still in the loins of Abraham. And so when he tithed to Melchizedek, in essence, Levi did. That's the thought. Now, perhaps I missed, you missed what I was saying. So let me ask you a question. Where were you 200 years ago? Well, I, I was in the loins of my great, 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 whatever number of great-grandfather I had. You didn't just get here. You didn't just rise here out of nothing. You had a genealogy. Or if I can put it another way, in my loins are my children, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren, and my great-great-grandchildren, should the Lord Jesus tarry. Take the death of the Lord Jesus, for instance, on the cross. Some people like to identify with Pilate and say, I'm not responsible, and they just wash their hands and they dump it on someone else. But you cannot read either the prophet Isaiah or Psalm 22 or the New Testament where God incriminates you as well. Not only is Pilate responsible, not only are the Jews responsible, not only are the godless Gentiles responsible and the Roman soldiers responsible, you're responsible. He was pierced through for our iniquity. That African-American spiritual says, where were you when they crucified my Lord? Well, we were there and we were not merely spectators. In God's economy, we're participants. That great hymn writer and also pastor Horatio Bonar said it this way, "'Twas I that shed the sacred blood. I nailed him to the tree. I crucified the Christ of God. I joined the mockery.'" 
Again, there are people who say, well, I don't like being identified with Adam. Then you're not going to like being identified with Christ. You have to make a choice. All right? So that's the second point. Death spreads through all the world. Then third and briefly, I want us to think about the reign of death over all the world. The reign of death over all the world. Paul further explains here in verses 13 and 14 how it is we know that when Adam sinned, all sinned. And he gives an illustration to expand our thinking here a little bit. Notice the very first word here in verse 13. It's the word for. It's, in other words, let me explain. For until the law, sin was in the world. Now, when the Bible mentions the law, he's talking about that law which God gave through Moses. To help us understand that when Adam sinned, I sinned too, Paul explains what happened between Adam and Moses. He explains, explains what happened between the fall there in the Garden of Eden and Moses, who lives hundreds of years later, who gave the law and was given the law there on Mount Sinai. During that time, sin, the Bible says, was in the world. How do I know? Well, because people died. People died. How could they die if there was no law to break? We'll follow his reasoning here. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. In other words, you can't pull me over for speeding if I'm in the salt straits of Arizona and there's no speed limit. Or you can't write me a ticket for uh, wearing no seatbelt if I'm in a place where there's no seatbelt law. That's the thought. But follow the reasoning further in verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned, from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. All these people who lived between Adam and Moses, between Adam and the giving of the law, died. Why? Because death reigned. Now, the law contains such things as the Ten Commandments. That's probably the most famous portion of the law that we know. But from Adam until Moses... People still died. Why? There's only one reason. It's a technical point he's making, but it's a beautiful point because when Adam sinned, all sinned. People say, well, how is that possible? How could I sin before there was a law? Well, listen, the law of God was written in your heart, among other things, but you sinned in Adam, and that's why people die, and that's why right after Adam dies, we have the longest obituary in the Bible. You find it in Genesis 5. And he died, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. You come into Genesis 6, before the great flood, ever before Moses lived, ever before the law was given, the Lord saw the wickedness of men as great and that every intent of his heart was continually evil, and yet there was no law. In other words, Paul is saying man died because when Adam sinned, all sinned in and with Adam. So you can't just point the finger at Adam. Do you know what Adam's last name is? Adam Brogy. Yes, it is. Now, we're out of time. I want to spend more time on this. And Paul's going to explain it further when we come next week to verses 15 to 17, but let me see if we can apply this. Let me make a couple of applications. Number one, all men die because all men are sinners. Don't ever forget that sin was never a part of God's original design, but a result of our choice. That's what the Bible teaches. When man was created, he was created in a state of innocence, but he sinned. 
And all men die because all men are sinners. It was never a part of God's original plan to have suffering and poverty and greed and racism and sickness and pain and death. That all entered into the world when man sinned. And so King David can write in Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me. He's not saying that his mother was sinning when he was conceived. He's affirming that from the moment of conception, he was a little sinner. That there's never a time in a person's life when they are not a sinner. Even from conception, we have inherited the fallen nature of Adam. And so the need for a miraculous, of course, virgin birth. Now, people come up with all kinds of explanations for death. And again, science, many in the evolutionary field are saying that given enough time, we will conquer death. I just saw a piece on the national news uh, describing medical science and the effect that it's having on the American culture, how we are all living longer. Well, it is true in 1776 when our nation was founded, the average lifespan was 60. Now they say it's around 75, and they argue that 100 years from now that Americans might, if medical science continues to progress, live to be 200 years old. Well, listen, ages have gone up and down. After the great flood is over and the whole dynamic of the planet changes, man don't, doesn't live anymore to be six, seven, eight, nine hundred 900 years. The ages begin to drop down, and it comes to a point where God writes through Moses in Psalm 90, as for the days of his life, they are 70 years, or if due to strength, 80. If you're 70 years old this morning, you've lived about 85% of your life. It's unlikely you'll live to be 100. We all maybe want to. But you've lived maybe more than 85% of your life. And that's an important perspective to have. Because God calls us not just to live our life, but to invest our life. All men die because all men are sinners, secondly. All men can live because Christ is sinless. I don't want to leave you in a point of despair this morning, though our text doesn't address it till next time. But Adam, who's described in our passage, is the head of the human race into which all are born. All are born as sinners on their way to hell. But Jesus, the Bible will teach in the rest of the passage, is the head of a new race that by faith you can become a saint and you can be on your way to heaven. Now, I know there's a lot of people they don't like to talk about, they don't like to think about death. But for the Christian, death is not something we need to be afraid of. Death for the Christian is not our enemy. Now, God personifies death as an enemy in 1 Corinthians 15. The whole point of that great chapter is Christ has conquered death. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so for the most, death just opens the door and says, come in, come into the place of your king that God has prepared. But for other people, death is absolutely a horrible thing. Oh, there's people who I meet and they say, well, I have a, I have a peace about dying. And we'll talk a little bit, and I listen to the theology, and their theology is so far from Scripture. Listen, if the devil can give you a false peace, he will. Many a person has a false peace. What Adam did was putrid. It was terrible. It was awful. But you did it with Adam. And we are by nature identified in the first Adam. Adam. 
But by faith, we can be identified in the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Adam is leading a funeral procession. But Christ is leading the way to heaven. I'm not in a funeral procession anymore. I'm in a wedding procession. And I'm going to a place where I will experience the wedding supper of the Lamb. Thank God for His marvelous grace. Listen, you are not ready to die until you are ready to live. And you are born, the Bible teaches, with a mark upon your life. You have God's death sentence upon you. Jesus already said we are on the broad road. He doesn't say don't get on it. He says you're already on it. He invites us to get off the broad road that leads to destruction, to get on the narrow road that leads to life. So you have to ask, am I a child of Adam or a child of Christ? By nature, I'm a child of Adam. I'm born a child of Adam. And that's why Jesus said you must be born a second time. And that's why John says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Our Father, thank you this morning for your word, for its truth. I pray today for someone who's listening to me. Maybe someone who in their mind has it sewn up that everything's fine between you and them. But when they put their theology into the mirror of Holy Scripture then they see that their sin is an offense to you and that no amount of deeds can deal with the penalty of death. Only Christ's death can. So help some boy, some girl today by the Spirit of God to call upon Jesus as Lord. Help someone today in simple faith to say, Lord Jesus, save me. Now, Father, you gave us this passage for a reason and I know we've just cracked the door. But help us, O oh God, to live with the reality that there is an enemy called death. An enemy that is trying to take as many people to the grave into a place of eternal torment. He said there are many things that are ne never satisfied. A fire always wants more fuel. A barren womb always wants a baby. And the grave always wants more dead. And so I pray, O oh God, that we would live with that reality, but help and remind us, like Paul who carried the death of Christ about in his person, help us to realize that death has been defeated and that we can invite men and women to get off the road of death into the life that you offer. Help us this week to look for opportunities to truly care and be compassionate the souls of men and women around us, some to be in everlasting happiness and others to be in everlasting torment. Thank you for the tremendous privilege that as ambassadors for Christ, you have called us as though you were entreating through us, that you beg through us for men to be reconciled to you through the cross. May we be obedient. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to hear today's message again, or would like to have a copy for your library, use the Search the Scriptures app for Androids or iPhones, or visit our website at searchthescriptures.org. Then search for today's study, program ROM24, entitled, God's Death Sentence. These downloadable resources are made available at no cost 
so please consider becoming an STS supporter when you contact us. You can always reach us by phone at 877-787-7478 and request a CD or DVD copy as well. Time's running out to participate in the Search the Scriptures trip to Israel led by Dr. Brogy, May 11th through the 22nd. Because of safety protocols being observed, you have until February 11th to sign up. Get all the details online at stsisraeltour.com and take part in the trip of a lifetime. Tomorrow, we ask the question and begin to answer, For whom did Jesus die? Join us then as we search the scriptures.